From KVMR and in partnership with Freed, this is Disability Wrap. The storm came really quick for me up off of Greenhorn. It came so quickly that I couldn't get out of my long driveway. Today, a look at the winter storm that hit Nevada County on December 26th and the intersection of disability and climate change. Having conversations with well-intentioned environmental advocates about what they're forgetting when it comes to uh, disability inclusion in any of their efforts. I really think that um, we need to start with knowing who our neighbors are and we can't wait for help and we need to have a plan in place and what does that look like, not just for yourself. That's all coming up right here on Disability Wrap. Stay tuned. Welcome to Disability Wrap. I'm Carl Sigmund. With Carly Pacheco. On today's show, we focus on the intersection of disability and climate change. And the disproportional impacts extreme weather. Can have on people with disabilities. And older adults. We'll start local here in Nevada County. And then zoom out for a broader perspective in context. On December 26th, Nevada County was hit with a massive snowstorm, the likes of which we have not seen in recent memory. The snow caused down trees and widespread power outages that affected over two thirds of the county, over 60,000 households. While some power was restored within a matter of days, other residents went one and two weeks without power. As we have discussed discussed on this show show before, Nevada County, for better or worse, has gotten used to has gotten used to public safety power shut off. Or PSPS events. When our power utility, PG&E, shuts off service, to reduce the risk of wildfire. Usually, 
These events last. Between two and four days. Not two weeks. As was the case with this snowstorm. People with disabilities and those who use life-sustaining medical devices were significantly impacted by this storm. And that's where we're going to start today. We're joined by a free consumer, Kathleen Parsons. And we're also joined by Alex Guinness, the founder of Accessible Climate Strategies. Alex is a climate resilience and disability rights researcher and advocate dedicated to safeguarding the well-being of people with disabilities in a changing world. Welcome. We welcome you both to Disability Rap. Kathleen, I want to begin with I want to begin with you. Can you briefly describe your disability or health condition and how it impacts your daily life? I was in an accident in 1997, and I've had eight back surgeries, and I have uh, a lot of metal in my back, and other various parts of my body that I've had operations on. And recently I've had two eye surgeries. Can I ask what your story was during the storm? What sort of what happened during the storm and what were the challenges that you faced? The storm came really quick for me up off of Greenhorn and there's two roads to get out, but it came so quickly that I couldn't get out of my long driveway and I had to abandon my car leave it and have my daughter hike in to be able to get my stuff, to be able to get into her car about a mile down the road. And then I got out. It just happened so quick and the snow was so heavy. Um, You can be as ready as you want your car. It's a matter of getting in and getting out. And there was just no access getting out of the long driveway that I live in. What happened? And then what happened? What your Was your house without power? Where did you go? I had no power actually the day before the storm because the rain was so bad. And I knew that we were going to get uh, snow. And I lost electricity actually the day before for the big storm. And um, I just thought it would be for a few days. That's what I packed for. So I wasn't really ready for long term. And how long were you without power? Uh, A total of 19 days. I did get power back on, but then it was not safe to come up to my house because there were so many trees down and I didn't have access to get into uh, the last 
probably mile and a half of the stretch to my house. So, where were you for those nine So, where were you for those 19 days? Reed uh, was a great lifeline and helped me tremendously in helping me get a hotel to have a safe and secure place in Roseville and also to get me transportation back from Roseville to Grass Valley to get my car that was buried for two weeks and I got that towed to uh, Nevada City and also um, gift cards that um, for food and essentials every day. It was an absolute gift from Freed through the PG&E program that they have to help people in disasters. And I will just and add, I will just add that, we are able to do that we are able to do that through our partnership with California Foundation for Independent Living Centers and PG&E. Kathleen, what was it like to be evacuated, like to be evacuated for, that for that long? Very stressful because I had to find out how to get to and from uh, doctor's appointments through um, the Medi-Cal program that gives you 200 miles round trip for medical appointments. But so many things were closed down and I was in Roseville and I just had to, you know, think outside the box and just give up whatever I was going to do as far as appointments. But uh, the Medi-Cal program does not pick you up or drop you off unless you are actually at your house address which I found out. Well, there is a significant gap identified in this event, Kathleen, because that was not knowledge that I had, but is certainly something that we as the disability community can advocate for um, moving forward, that when people are evacuated, they still need access to their medical care. My goodness. Well, I was thinking of people that were having dialysis. I would sit in the lobby to try and help people navigate different services while I was there because there were so many people that were like, what about this? What about my doctors? And I'm like, okay, let's collectively, you know, try and find out answers by calling the transportation department. We were all on speakerphone and we all tried to connect with trying to get services and it was not available. Oh, yikes. And Kathleen, I know you talked about having a plan, having your car packed. Um, you knew that there was a storm coming. So you were, you know, doing your best to, to personally prepare for this. What advice do you have for people with disabilities after, after surviving this uh, ordeal? Um, what what might you do differently in planning for future disasters or what advice do you have for others when they're trying to plan for disasters? 
Well, I have to say you have to over-prepare. Don't think it's going to be a few days. Don't assume anything. Have all your medications in place. Have a medication list with you. So in case you need to get refills or you can't get them, your pharmacy, everything that you need. If you have a service animal, have everything as far as their shots, proof that they're service animals. There were many people in the hotels that didn't have that, that had service animals, or they had, you know, disability, you know, different things that they needed, and they just were too stressed about what was happening to really navigate to get what they needed. And I have started um, years ago with Nextdoor.com, uh, on Bennett Hill, and in order to do a neighborhood, you have to get 40 people to sign up. Well, that's how you get to know your neighbors. That's how you get to know people. That's how you start to connect. And I think of it as a team captain for every block. Each person has to have two people to check on people, go around, see who needs what. You've got to think outside the box, and you can't think of just yourself you got to think of other people as well because we all need to get back to the basics of knowing our neighbors. Um, I'm so glad you brought this up. Because one thing we tell our because one thing we tell our consumers here at here at Freed. Whether it is preparing for PSPSs, wildfires or the snowstorm is. Don't wait for authorities to come get you. You need to build your own resiliency team. And that is where I want to bring Alex in here. Alex, welcome back to Disability Rap. I know this is what you spend a lot of your days on. Thinking about these issues. Thinking about how they impact our community. And thinking about the future. As we expect more and more of these events. 
So can you begin? By talking about the By talking about the importance of of community resiliency and then we'll go from there with climate change uh we are especially here in california looking at a combination of uh, uh more extreme weather events um, and that includes wildfires for a number of reasons um it also includes uh, larger kind of swings in the way that we get precipitation. So the storm that you experienced this year uh, was based on what we call an atmospheric river um, event. And uh, those are getting uh, kind of fewer uh, farther between, but then also stronger. A lot of the uh, disability community might know the difference um, between the medical model of disability, which says, you know, able-bodiedness is normal and any disability is kind of a broken like aberration from that versus the social model of disability which is actually the things that disable me are uh these um, um lack of services lack of physical infrastructure ramps personal care attendance services uh translations um uh and some of the things that fit into uh, what is creating kind of the the, the social disability um, in the face of disasters is uh, um, things like number one, uh, where we have decided to build uh, towns, uh, a lot of the times not knowing what was coming down the, the, the pike at us. And uh, I think that some of your consumers um, and people in higher wildfire zones are starting to ex uh, experience that. Um, and uh, um, that combined with other uh, kind of social models of disability of not having uh, appropriate power um, service, not having uh, good evacuations, not having the ability, um, uh, as um, the other guest said, to, uh, to go any reasonable distance and still get medical services. Um, these are all built into kind of a, a either a broken system or a system that wasn't properly anticipating what we have in the future. Um, we, uh, as advocates, um, I know certainly in uh, uh, your team at Freed is pushing for social uh, and institutional change to fix those problems. Um, the reality is that uh, certainly in the meantime, uh, a, a, a little bit of the preparedness uh, falls on our shoulders. It shouldn't be that way. Um, the system should be better, but this is kind of the reality of the moment. Um, and uh, as we are fixing the system, we, we, we need to build our own better systems. And a lot of that is community. I was so excited to hear about these community kind of resiliency groups and networks that are forming on social media um, and simply going out and meeting your neighbors and saying who's going to check on the next door, um, the, the actual next door, not the website, um, and who's uh, um, you know going to bring what supplies, who has the barbecue, right? Um, uh, this this falls on our shoulders. I wish it wasn't that way, but um, at least for the time being, uh, um, our own safety and survival we can contribute to making that. 
uh, a better um, situation in reality. Thanks so much, Alex, for those thoughts. And I wonder, you know, as you do statewide work and you're sort of looking at this from the 20,000 foot level, what are some of the most promising practices or kind of best practices that you've seen local communities adopt to um, make sure that folks with disabilities, older adults, people with access and functional needs are incorporated in planning and response and, um, and have the most resiliency possible during these disasters? Well, you know, just to um, speak to a couple of them, uh, there's been a lot of involvement uh, by the independent living centers to reach out to the community to help individuals prepare. Um, uh, social media, uh, um, it's fantastic to see um, that happening on the grassroots level. Uh, the uh, public safety power shutoff um, program uh, was another one of those, uh, uh, these, these climate dilemmas where it's uh, people kind of get stuck between a rock and a hard place, um, that uh, a lot of the disability community is uh, legitimately um, more at danger of getting um, injured or even losing their lives in a wildfire. And one of the ways to reduce wildfire risk is to cut off power that so many people with disabilities need um, for their, uh, uh, you know, uh, plug-in medical equipment, a ventilator, a refrigerator to keep medications cool. Um, uh, the, the, the list kind of goes on of people, of things that people need power for. Um, so the, uh, and the distribution of uh, emergency backup battery systems, which I know that Freed um, uh, and other independent living centers kind of have uh, a growing cache of uh, large-scale backup batteries that can be used by um, individuals. Uh, you know, um, evacuation plans, I think that um, there's more... Uh, engagement with the disability community, uh, having seen how uh, there have been tragedies and some people left behind um, with reaching up to and um, uh, being more involved in discussions with uh, um, disaster managers. Um, uh, I, uh, from, from an even higher level, I think it's difficult for a lot of people to kind of digest, um, is uh, there's a growing movement um, to uh, try to build kind of housing and where people live in more climate safe areas. And then we also know that new housing construction is more accessible than old housing construction. Uh, so there, there's folks that are taking a step back and saying we need to build a more climate resilient world um, here in California and really beyond. Um, and I know I'm involved and there are other people with disabilities involved um, in um, trying to make sure that that new built world is as accessible as possible. And climate change touches everything, right? Uh, transportation is related to climate change. Where you build housing is related to climate change. How we here in California manage our water resources um, is relevant to climate change. And shoot, if you don't have clean water um, or you know, as clean a water as possible, that could affect somebody's, um, uh, you know, chronic health condition. That that could 
create chronic health conditions um, that could make it so that hospitals don't have clean potable water um, or somebody with, uh, you know, a, a wound that they're taking care of at home uh, can't get like good clean water and the rest of it to help um, uh, sanitize, you know, their, their hands, wash their hands, whatever it might be. So um, everything is connected. Uh, I think that um, a lot of the climate work that's being done outside of the disability community benefits the disability community, but there needs to be more involvement in making sure that happens and kind of goes beyond what's already there. I really, um, I really appreciate all that you brought up, you brought up Alex. And as we begin and as we begin to wrap up, I'm wondering what I'm wondering what message you have for the advocacy you have for the disability advocacy community. For the environmental movement. And for the intersection of those movements. I think reach out. Expand your horizons in terms of what climate change means. Uh, beyond uh, snowstorms, power outages, and fires, um, which are a lot of the things that we're seeing here in California. I mean, surely extreme heat events are another uh, big concern. Uh, my parents, um, uh, well, my mom and my stepdad, they're up in Portland, and there was an extreme uh, heat event that killed uh, uh, you know, hundreds of people in the Northwest, and a disproportionate number of those were uh, people with disabilities, um, older folks, and there's intersections between age and disability. And then um, also homeless people that didn't have uh, easy access to cooling shelters. And there's an intersection uh, between homelessness and disability. Uh, so for each of these things that happen, if you can't get involved in one specific thing, there are other opportunities. There are opportunities that are related to climate change that you can help out with. And tell yourself, if I'm uh, involved in financial literacy and empowerment, uh, then I'm helping people maybe get a little bit more savings, get some job skills so that, uh, uh, you know, goodness gracious, their home burns down and they have to move to a new area. They have enough money to stay in a hotel instead of a shelter and they have the job skills to be able to land a job somewhere else, um, maybe in a more uh, um, climate safe area. Uh, so there's that, you know, the, the also having conversations with uh, a lot of who I have found to be really well-intentioned um, environmental advocates about what they're forgetting when it comes to uh, disability inclusion in any of their efforts. And also to say, hey, you know what? I know you want to go uh, create communes in the woods with um, farming and uh, uh, no modern medicine. It sounds great on paper, but I'm not gonna survive in that world. And uh, so let's, let's please come back to reality a little bit and uh, 
don't alienate our crew when really we need to be allies. Um, able-bodied people don't think about accessibility issues all that much, but when you bring it up and explain it, they go, oh yeah, that makes perfect total sense. So just stay engaged, uh, reach your tentacles out. If you have friends and they are interested in something that doesn't seem immediately related to climate change, think about how it might be. Um, learn how the broader system works and all of these pieces fit together um, and then uh, kind of articulate it accordingly. Thank you so much, Alex. And I love that little piece about reach your tentacles out. Um, and Kathleen, I want to bring you back in here because you certainly reached your tentacles out, um, really fostering this next door system for your neighborhood. And so I just want to commend you on that and say, you know, that's the kind of leadership that our community really needs. And the more we can get people to step up and um, start those networks, the better. Any final thoughts you have, Kathleen, or advice that you want to give locally here in Nevada County to, to folks about how they can do that? Well, I, I really think that um, we need to start with knowing who our neighbors are, and we can't wait for help, and we need to have a plan in place, and what does that look like, not just for yourself, and just saying, actually, I need help. That's really hard for people to to say, I need help, and how do I reach out? That was freed consumer Kathleen Parsons of Grass Valley. We also heard from climate and disability researcher Alex Guinness, joining us from Oakland. And that does it for this show. Disability Wrap is produced and edited by Carl Sigmund. Special thanks to Courtney Williams for her support. To listen to the show again, go to freed.org slash disabilitywrap or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carly Pacheco with Carl Sigmund for another edition of Disability Wrap.